How do I say goodbye to pet babes? <laughs> oh no! That's the sound of a melancholy horn as we say goodbye to a clipper living legend. Oh. Hi, I'm your host, Chris Wild. Sorry, no bells and whistles for me today, fans. Nope. No cheeky nicknames. Nope. With me is Henry Mitchell partner, Dittman. Henry Dittman. <laughs> who may or may not live in Burbank. It doesn't nothing matters. Doesn't matter. Nothing matters. <laughs> doesn't matter. I don't live in Memphis, and I doubt Pat Beverly will for long. I, I, oh, I see, I see. I think. Look, obviously, the Clippers is the best fit for a Pat Bev, and I'll, and I'll. That's the We're hill get, that I'll we die lot, on. We got a lot of that to unpack. Sure, but what? Yeah, but I think Memphis Grizzlies, the grit and grind of the Memphis Grizzlies, is almost the second best fit for Patrick Beverly. Oh, I don't disagree with that culturally. Um, culturally, yeah. and I and I think there could be a lot of fun in Pat Beverly being the enforcer, protector, cheerleader for John Morant. Yes. That's fun. I think that's a nice... Do you, th- do you think Pat Bev will have any jaw rules? I don't think he'll play for Memphis. That are jaw specific? I don't think he'll play for Memphis. <laughs> oh, come on. Of course he will. I don't know of about that, man. There's a lot of hubbub about whether or not these guys are actually going to ultimately play. I mean, Eric Bledsoe, we got oh, him. Oh, because of the Iguodala thing? Yeah. Because of the Iguodala thing of two years ago? No. But because... Memphis is... Go on. Go on. No, go on. <laughs> well, Memphis... <laughs> Is a real team. They're I a know. top. They're a potentially top eight team, and they're I certainly agree. a top ten team. I agree. They won the play-in versus San Antonio. They won the play-in versus the Golden State Warriors. They were the eight seed that had to go up against the one seed. They won, I believe, game one. They're a real team, and and they're a team of the future. Certainly today, John Morant's the real deal. They got a very good culture in Memphis. So I I don't think this is an Iguodala situation where they're just going to do nothing with him, with Pat Bev for months. I mean, yeah, Daniel Oturu may not play. Rajon Rondo may not play. So here's the deal, folks. Obviously, we just assume that you know. But Patrick Beverly, Rajon Rondo, and Daniel Oturu get shipped to Memphis Grizzlies yep. for returning former Clipper great Eric Bledsoe. We love And him. let it be known love that him. Eric Bledsoe is 31 years young. Everyone thinks Eric Bledsoe is old, and I'm here to tell you 31 for a point guard is is prime time age, I think. Well, we, I mean, it is the average age, give or take, of the Los Angeles Lakers, whom you feel to be super, super old. Uh, but I mean, Pat Beverly's 33 and a lot, uh, lot of miles. Look, yeah, look, a lot, a lot of miles. Of miles. And let's, let, let's really recall that we basically got Pat Beverly back in the playoffs, really, uh, and he had time, and it took Round time. Two. For, it ha- took time for him to find his feet and his shot. Oh, yeah. No, he was he was a nothing in round one. He was kind of a nothing in the bubble, as I recall, round one again. But look, you you know everyone loved to put up the stat of here's how the Clippers do without Kawhi Leonard, and here's how the Clippers do without Paul George, and here's how the Clippers do without Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. But my favorite stat was always. Wow, look at the difference in the team when Patrick Beverly is on the floor as opposed to Patrick Beverly being off the floor. We had him as a part of that deal that sent Chris Paul, 
way back in the day, four seasons ago, I guess now, to Houston, and we got Lou Will, Montrez Harrell, and Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly was the heart and soul of this Clippers team for the past four seasons. He was the longest tenured Clipper. He's Agreed. gone. He's gone now. Yeah. And yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, going in, going into the locker room when it was Lou Will and Pat Bev's team, it was it's a horseshoe-shaped locker room. And on one side of the horseshoe, on one end of the horseshoe, as soon as you walked into that locker room, the very first locker on your left was Pat Bev. And he literally dictated the the atmosphere, the vibe, vibe check on Pat Bev's locker room. And then it loops around it like a horseshoe over to Lou Will. And before we got Monch, excuse me, before we got Paul George and Kawhi, I don't remember who was in between, but when we got Paul George and Kawhi, they were dead center, and Pat Bev and Lou Will stayed on those corners. And then obviously we deal, you know, Montrez go, we let we cut him loose, and then Lou Will we deal. So Pat Bev was that guy, that bridge that you know kept us relevant, that kept us a winning basketball team almost single handedly. Obviously he did it with guys, but. He was the heart and soul of the Clippers, even with our superstars. And I, def- I definitely want to just talk to you about your favorite Patrick Beverly memories. And before we get into that, I want you to justify to me why the Clippers did what they did. Well, I will do that. I, that, that I will do. I, I think, first of all, there's something to keep in mind. I think, well, let's start with the first thing that came out of my mouth, which is Pat Beverly's health. Um, right. And... We, we, we'll we get to the salary because, honestly, this feels to me a little bit more like a roster and salary cap dump. We save like 30. I'll start with that. We save about $30 million in luxury tax by making this move. We unload yeah, we Raj- way over. We un- unload Rajon Rondo, who, honestly, if I had been a Lakers fan during the Lakers championship bubble run, I would have bought a Ra- I would have done like my friend French Stewart did and bought a Rajon Rondo jersey. I thought he was amazing. For us, he was not. Oh, yeah. For us, he was not no. in the postseason. Pat Beverly no, has wasn't. some health issues. And now you throw on top of that that we – Reggie Jackson is now our starting point guard. So do we need oh, to be yeah. overpaying for a backup point guard? Or can we save $30 million to bring in Eric Bledsoe, who, by the way, tell me this. How many games were there in the regular season last season? 72. Well, according to NBA stats, he played 70 – Eric Bledsoe played 71 games last season. Yikes! That's probably about fifty more than Pat Bev. And, and in the reg, in the last five, and it was the Pelicans, of course, because we're saying we got him from Memphis, but he never played for Memphis. He sort of was like there and gone. But when you right. look at the last five seasons, I can't remember how many games we played um, the bubble season, but the but it was sixty one that season. He played with the Bucks. The three seasons prior to that, seventy eight games, seventy four games, seventy one games. Last season, he was shooting thirty four percent from three, sixty eight percent from the field. Um, I think he's nice, and he played. He got three rebounds a game, defensive rebounds a game, three. And you know, and he's averaging he, he's almost a steal ups. a game. So like, I I think they, he's he's didn't really they used to call nice. Him, for remember us. when they used to call him Mini LeBron? Mini LeBron. That? LeBron called him that. LeBron's the one who glossed him that way. So listen, I think he's a he may give us more consistency health wise. He's two years younger, which is not nothing when you start talking about Pat, what Pat Beverly has done to his body playing because he has so much heart. He's not afraid right. to throw himself around and get hit. And also, he got hit because of his mouth. And we love him. He's going to forever be one of my favorites. He did. He got hit because of his mouth. He's a big mouth. And we loved him for it. Um, but, you know, Eric Bledsoe also was playing like 30 minutes a game, you know, for the Pelicans. And and close to that, when he was with the Bucks, he was averaging around 28 minutes a game in the last three seasons. 
And he won't have to shoulder that kind of load behind Reggie Jackson, which could also be good for with his age and his availability and his productivity. So I actually am hurt. I'm more heartbroken losing Pat Beverly than losing Lou Williams. To me, like you lose a guy who's a shooter. We, we saw what happened with Jamal Crawford, and Jamal Crawford is one of the bobbleheads on my shelf. I love him. But we started to see as Jamal got older where his productivity went in the postseason, especially as he got more tired, um, although never right. his heart. And so you could look at Lou Williams and go, well, he, he really wasn't shooting great in the postseason. Um, so you could sort of look at that. But a guy like Pat Beverly, it, it, we're going to miss his heart. We oh are really going to miss his heart. And Eric Bledsoe is another guy who, unless he, unless something has changed since we really loved him as a Clipper, who's a little bit of a Kawhi Leonard. He lets his game speak for him, for him mm, um, as opposed to being necessarily a loudmouth locker room t- type dude. Um, but I also like the strong silent type, like my Los Angeles Clippers. So, so I, I'm super, super, super sad to see Pat oh, yeah. Beverly go. But I think this is Bill Belichick-style um, GMing of like – and coaching of like, let's let go of a guy before he starts to really decline. Because when you have the kind of injury stuff that Pat Beverly has going on, I don't know. Do you see him playing more games this season? I don't know if well, I do. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you right now. And, and then I'm going to talk about how much I love Patrick Beverly and Patrick Beverly memories and highlights and how tough it is going to, to lose just the guy, the man. And I've got a lot of Pat Bev personal stories and then obviously stories that we all saw because we all watched the games. In the past four seasons, okay? So four seasons ago, Patrick Beverly played a combined total of 11 games compared to Eric Bledsoe's 74 games. 11 games in a season versus 74 games, okay? Now, three seasons ago was Pat Bev's best season as a Clipper game count-wise, 78 for 82. Ooh, it's a lot of games. Which is which is exactly the amount of games that Eric Bledsoe played, 78, okay? 78, 78. They both. Two seasons ago, Pat Bev played 51 total games as opposed to Eric Bledsoe's 61. And then last year in a 72-game season, Patrick Beverly played 37 of 72, missed over half the season, whereas my man Eric Bledsoe played 71 out of 72. So obviously Eric Bledsoe, when you when you say, look at this, this is this is Bill, Belichick style, get rid of a guy before he craps out on you uh, physically, like they you know they sent Tom Brady before he passed his prime and then he won a Super Bowl. But anyway, I would argue that. He, we've already seen the deterioration of Patrick Beverly, and, and this, then that's the last bad thing I'll say about Pat Bev, and then, and then I'll say lots of great stuff. So we saw in the past four seasons, there was one season, and only one, where he played the bulk of the entire season. Every other season, he missed at least a third, if not half, of the entire season. For four years, he did that, except for one, where you look at Eric Bledsoe, and he's been healthy the entire time the guy is a mini lebron he's built different he's kind of like a cory mcgetty where he's just kind of chiseled out of stone yeah and i have i have one more i'd like to i'd like to actually talk about their head-to-head comparison because uh, i think i think now when you say head-to-head do you mean patrick beverly headbutting eric bledsoe and breaking eric bledsoe's nose give him a like chance. He did Devin booker give him the opportunity <laughs> uh no you know you know one of the things we've talked about a lot on this podcast is how many games the first th- the first thought i had when i heard about this trade is the rebounding because how many games did we have where Patrick Beverly out-rebounded the bigs, right? Uh, sure. Right place, right time. 
So I did a little bit of head to head comparison, and I will tell you from a pure point guard standpoint um, that Eric Bledsoe averaged 3.4 rebounds a game and Patrick Beverly averaged 3.2. And as far as assists go, since we're talking point guards, um, Eric Bledsoe averaged almost twice as many. Pat Beverly averaged 2.1 and and Bledsoe averaged 3.8. And they basically are dead even on steals. Pat Beverly a little bit more in the blocks, but also Eric Bledsoe averaging five more points a game. So more games, more points. He's also, listen, he's also more of a shooting point guard, and that's not exactly what Pat Bev was doing, although Pat Bev's three-point shot gets, you know, better and better. Uh, But I I don't hate this. I don't hate this. And and again, $30 million, this frees up. Weren't we both talking earlier, because I haven't really tracked the full numbers, that this leaves us now, doesn't just get us under the cap, it gets us under, like, $8 under the cap. So maybe now there's— We can acquire another guy, or there might be another move in the future. Maybe we're one of those teams now where veterans want to come play with us, and they'll take a discount. A, do Do you think like I'm hearing a lot in the national media that this Clippers season is a wash, and I just so disagree with that. I disagree. I disagree strongly with that. Well, I don't. I just now listen. When do you think? What right now? You have to guess. No money on the line. You just had to guess. When do you think we get Kawhi Leonard back? Personally. At. After the All Star break, yeah, I Not think immediately after. But saying that it's saying this is a normal season, and the All Star break usually happens around Valentine's Day, yeah, and the playoffs usually happen two months after that. I think in that two month window is when we get Kawhi Leonard back, and I don't think that. The only way Kawhi Leonard doesn't come back at all is if we are not anywhere near a winning basketball team. Like, if this year is indeed a wash, which, again, I don't think it will be. No way. If we're a losing basketball team at the All-Star break and we're, a lo- we're you know, we're nowhere near the playoffs, he doesn't come back. If we're a bubble team, maybe he comes back. And then if we're cooking and Paul George leads us to the promised land with this very talented roster around him, missing his superstar pal, if Superman can lead without Batman or vice versa – then Kawhi Leonard comes back and gets us over the hump from being, you know, a team that's top six, top eight to the best team in basketball. So it just depends on how we do. But I don't think, obviously, we're going to into every game trying to win every game. And in no way are the Clipper organization just going to sit on their hands and go, well, Paul George and Terrence Mann and Luke Kennard and. I, you know, all those guys can't win without Kawhi. I disagree. So we saw them win versus the best team in the NBA. Granted, it was a small sample size of a two-game win streak, but it got us to our first-ever Final Four. I also don't know when Serge Ibaka comes back, so that's kind of a head-scratcher because we know Serge had surgery. There you go. Serge Ibaka surgery before Kawhi's surgery, but – and I and it's a different surgery, and I don't know what kind of recuperation and recovery time it is. I know he's in the kitchen. I know Serge is in the kitchen cooking up stuff for his buddy Paul George. I don't understand Mafuzzy. I don't know what that is, but I know that there's some sort of cooking show starring Serge Ibaka. But I don't know when he comes back, and I, I guess he comes back sooner, but I don't know that he's ready game one, for example. Yeah, I have no so idea. I, just, I have no idea about I have that. No idea. I mean, yeah. I, I'm inclined to agree with you it's after the All-Star break, although I would maybe— my instinct is with the way his camp and he himself protects his health and protects the long term, you know, his long term ability Big to play picture. the game. I sort of feel like we I have a feeling we're going to be in the last like 15 games of the season 
um, saying, well, he's really starting to get ramped up for practices. I feel like he comes in like with 10 games left in the season to get up to speed for the playoffs. I hope it's sooner. I but think that, we but have that's only the if we're a playoff 100%. team. 100%. Oh, my gosh, 100%. Right. He won't come play to scratch it out into I, – I would be surprised if he came back in to scratch it out coming into, for example, the play-in games if he wasn't coming in when we were one win away from potentially making it to the finals. You know, so but we're, we're, we are obviously going to find out. I also didn't agree with you. I don't understand why people say, are saying this is a wash, but I think this is the same casual fan base who, when they right. were list, listing the cakewalk, we talked about this on the last podcast, who were listing the cakewalk that the Phoenix Suns had going into the finals, who just said the Clippers are missing Kawhi Leonard instead of saying they're missing Kawhi Leonard and Serge Ibaka. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I mean, I think right. people really are short-sighted on how powerful second and third on the call sheet, as we say in our industry, players can be. Uh, and I think Paul George, we talked about this last podcast. So if you haven't noticed, I've said that three times. It's your hint to go listen to the last podcast. Go enjoy it. It's really great. <laughs> it's our 10th well, anniversary spectacular. But I mean, Paul, Paul George Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard have very similar numbers in almost all stats. And I can't really think of a reason with... Now, Terrence Mann, in theory, has been getting better over the offseason. Reggie Jackson is coming in hot. Eric Bledsoe back in his own hole, his own, where he started with something to prove. I'm not sure why we can't win games. I just don't see it. Right. So if Serge Ibaka is ready to go, hypothetically, who's your starting five? And then who's your starting five if Serge still needs time? That's my question to you. Well, okay. Well, we go Reggie Jackson. Starting point guard, uh, which is, by the way, why we dealt Patrick Beverly, P.S. Because, <laughs> like, Patrick Beverly was the starting point guard. He had injury problems. We love him. He's more defense than offense, but he's definitely not an offensive liability, I think, although some would say he is, and I would disagree with them. But that, that to me, it was, oh, by the way, our starting point guard is now Reggie Jackson. He's our guy. We just gave him $22 million for two seasons, I believe it is. Look what he did with his best friend, Paul George, in the playoffs. He's our guy. So that, to me, is why we got rid of Pat Bev. So, sorry, starting point guard, Reggie Jackson. Boom. That's that's the one. Go on. That is a lock, right? Reggie Jackson is a, a lock. 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 Uh, Paul George. Paul George. So, And you could say that he's the two- or you can maybe say he's the small forward, but go on. Maybe, yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I, I think he is the small forward. But if we have if we have Serge Ibaka, we got Serge Ibaka, right? We, we've got uh, Marcus Morris, Marcus Morris, and then yep, yeah. Uh, who's our other guard? Canard. Well, that's Terrence Mann. Oh, Terrence Mann. Duh, duh, duh. Yeah. Terrence Mann. So that's that. And so then we, you start replacing people. Yeah, we go people. with a three-guard lineup if you include Paul George as a shooting guard, which you easily could. And by but the then, way, that guy can also play But wait guard. a second. But, but would you ever do – would you ever go Reggie Jackson, Nicholas Batum, Paul George, Mook, Ibaka? Would you ever do that? Would you ever start – because, I mean, technically Batum and Mann both are sort of like that guard forward 2-3, right? They're both that. 
Well, no, I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, Batum is more of a forward to me than a guard. So yeah, no, I like. I, I I'm not mad at that. So you would say. So you would say Reggie Jackson is your one, Paul George is your two, Batum is your three, Morris is your four, Ibaka is your five. And by the way, if Ibaka's not ready, obviously we swap out Zoo as starting center, so that's not even up for debate, right? So it's like, yeah, but look, I, here's but, our center, but I'd swap the Serge order. Ibaka. I'd swap the order, because really, literally on the roster, both Batum and Mann are listed as guard forward. They kind of play that, they kind of straddle those two positions, and Paul George really is a true forward. He's really, he's a forward. So, but I, but I don't know. I mean, again, you, you, golly, it's well, a fun. lot of our female listeners are very interested into whatever Serge Ibaka and Terrence Mann are straddling because those are two good-looking <laughs> and, guys. And our female fans are very forward. <laughs> Nicholas Batum, and they need to guard me. their, and they need to guard their, their. Well, I, I think look, Ty Lue has shown that he is an absolutely epic coach. Yes, and we have gone out and gotten a, a handful of good rookies, man. Boston Jr. and what's his nuts and Keon Johnson are have a lot of potential. I don't know that they're going to get a lot of minutes, but they might. But we've got a very capable backcourt of Reggie Jackson, Terrence Mann, Paul George, call him a guard if you want to, and now Eric Bledsoe. I mean, one could argue that Eric Bledsoe is your backup point guard or your backup backup point guard. There's a lot to see. What's going to happen here? Is E bled sixth man of the year candidate? Yeah, or maybe. Is that, I don't know. Maybe. I, I think you've got to be a pretty great shooter usually to get that sixth man spot. That's not true. They've had six men that are defensive guys for sure. Uh, sure. You know, you, but listen, go straight down the roster, and it's an embarrassment of riches. It really yep. is. It's an embarrassment of riches of who we have in the roster, and we don't even know enough yet, the two of us, to talk about Justice Winslow or any of these rookies right. that came in. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that Terrence Mann was a rookie, and look what he ended up meaning to our team. And I remain so curious and curious, curious. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm really going to try to hate him. <laughs> I hate him. Well, toot toot. Uh, I'm, I'm so already sad. I'm already sad because I'm missing Patrick Beverly, who was my favorite Clipper. Now you're <laughs> kicking me while I'm down, introducing Curious oh, Purious. Buddy, why are you show. sad? I'm so Curious Purious about why you're sad. Oh, uh, crap. I'm peppers. really curious what what does Luke Kennard do this season? Because, he had, man, he had some nice moments in the playoffs near the sure. end. And he in the a, regular season. Yeah, so in the beginning and in the end. So we're going to have to see where the, all that play, plays out, where injuries hit us. But I just look at Absolutely. this team without Kawhi Leonard – and I still feel like it's a really great team that can win some games. And we also don't know what is Zubats going to bring in this season. He improved a lot right. last season, and and it was a short off season. So what's he going to bring in this season? Is he going to be markedly better? You know, we uh, hope he, so. He, I believe, his last field goal was a three pointer. <laughs> I don't know, but one of his last field goals was a three pointer, and I know he's trying to introduce that. He's trying to spread the floor, and he is such a traditional big. But God bless him for trying to spread the floor with that three. We, I, I agree. I mean, I, I'm very curious to see whose team is this going to be. Obviously, it's going to be Paul George's team. Sure. But then who else? Is it going to be Terrence Mann's team? Is it going to be Reggie Jackson's team? Is it going to be Eric Bledsoe's team? Look at what Ty Lue did for Nicholas Batum's career. Nicholas Batum and Reggie Jackson 
were both kind of like guys that were maybe on the outs. Nicholas Batum was literally like, I don't even know. He's such a bust. Charlotte, he was such a bust for Charlotte Hornets. But I guess he was being misused, or maybe he needed a second chance. And look at all that Ty Lue did for Batum. Batum, people wanted him. People sought him. The Golden State Warriors were salivating for Batum. And P.S., tough nuts you lost he's a clipper so I I think this is a very great second chance opportunity for Eric Bledsoe because a lot of people are sweeping him under the carpet because he's not a postseason guy but what we what's funny is we really need him in the regular season to get us over that hump without our superstar Kawhi Leonard so Justice Winslow and Eric Bledsoe are getting a lot of uh, are getting a second chance to show that these guys are world-class ballers under Ty Lue's Clippers yeah, 100%. 100%. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. It's very it's very exciting. I just don't see the comments. Like, wasn't today with a with a basketball buddy of ours was the first time I feel like anyone I I know you are much more abreast of the national media. Today, texting with our good friend Clay was the first time that I ever heard anybody say, "Well, obviously this season might be a wash." Or was that you that oh, no, said it? A lot of people are saying that, that. But that's the first time I'd read it. And I just sat there looking at my phone like. It's insane. I don't. Wait, what? I just yeah. don't look at this team. I just don't look at this team who performed the way they performed last year with in the playoffs without Kawhi Leonard and Serge Ibaka. I just don't look at this team and think they're a losing basketball team. And I definitely no don't think. They don't walk into the. I mean, I do. I don't think we're playing into the playoffs. I think we are going to absolutely be top six, without a doubt, without a doubt. I hope you're right, and that's the whole goal: is you want to be top six, and can you get to be in the top six without Kawhi Leonard? That and that hundred percent. That's the goal to get to that top six. Oh yeah, without Kawhi, and we'll see what happens. I can't wait for the season to start, and this is definitely a crazy new thing that just happened with Pat Bev gone because that that all of a sudden that this really is a brand new Clippers team. This is Kawhi Leonard and Paul George's Clippers now and nobody else. Oh yeah, cuz that was the last previous that was the last player we had from before. Is that yes. right? 100%. Zubots is now the only one. Yeah, so now we're going to have to see, you know, we had said we had really carried on about maybe we'll talk to you when the schedule drops, but there's a lot I think there's still more things that are going to happen. We're going to see you know sure. what is going to happen, Pat, Pat Patterson, Demarcus Cousins. Uh, is it Coffee who's also a free agent? I feel like we've got some other guys who are on free agent deals. Um, I don't know what happens. Where does this whole this team Eric land? Bledsoe thing? I want to, I want to, I want to bring Eric Bledsoe to a landing, and then we're going to just go on and on and on about how much we love Patrick Beverly and our favorite Patrick Beverly moments. Yeah, but this Eric Bledsoe coming back to the Clippers really reminds me. And obviously, they're very different players. But it really reminds me of Matty Boneyard Barnes, where Matt Barnes started his career as a clipper and was tough as nails. And you just saw this guy is going to be good in this league. And, and I'd argue Eric Bledsoe is more talented than Matt Barnes. But all of a sudden, whoop, here he comes, and he's back, and he's got a second chance with these clippers. And Matt Barnes was lights out in his second tour of duty with the Clippers. Also, Lamar Odom. Lamar Odom starts with the Clippers, goes away, wins sixth man of the year, wins a championship, comes back and has some very productive or a very productive season with stupid Vinny's Los Angeles Lob City Clippers. So it's a very Odom and Matt Barnes come on back to the Clips 
And I think Eric Bledsoe is going to be great. He always loved being a Clipper. He did not want to get dealt. He did not want to go to Phoenix. And he did all right in Phoenix when he got sent there, I believe is where he got sent. Yeah, for Chris Paul. Or no. Anyway, I just had a brain fart. But regardless, (laughs) Eric Bledsoe was with – he played with Chris Paul – and played great as the backup point guard. And then I believe we we got da- uh, Darren Collison became our backup point guard. But Ebled was our guy. We drafted him. Very talented. And he's 31 years old. He is not washed. He is not old. He is not spent. He's got a lot of gas in the tank. He's cut different. And I'm excited to have him back in the Clippers. But that being said... Man alive, am I going to miss Patrick Beverly? And I just want to go back and forth with you right now and just talk about what Patrick Beverly meant to you as a Clipper fan. Talk about some of your favorite memories. I've got personal stories to share that I've shared on the show before with Patrick Beverly. And so I just like to share them with you. But before I do, I want to hear what Patrick Beverly meant to you, Hank, as a as a faithful, long-tenured member of Clipper Nation. Well, look, man, we we have so many times over the years – had the conversation in the stands as 20-plus-year Clippers season ticket holders and now Clippers media-credentialed reporters, I put quotes around, Uh, we have many times had the conversation of, well, you know, that's the season. We'll still have fun at the games. And I will never, ever, ever forget the playoffs run where we went into Golden State and won games when we weren't supposed to. And to me... um, Perhaps Patrick Beverly has embodied being a Clippers fan and being a Clippers player for me almost more than any other player along the way. It would be it's always oh, yeah. easy for us to say Blake Griffin is our favorite athlete and favorite Clipper. Uh, but that he was Blake Griffin was maybe not necessarily exactly the perfect embodiment of what it is to be a Clippers fan. Not not really believing that you're being taken Blake seriously. Griffin's Hollywood down for the count, not taken seriously. Uh, and still somehow coming back for more and fighting. And I think everybody loves an underdog. And and Pat, what's been really exciting about Patrick Beverly in the past season or two has been looking at his rebounds as he out-rebounds teams, which are tangibles. But for me, the moment that comes up for me immediately when I think Pat Beverly is the intangible, and I'm speaking specifically, I, I you're better at years and series and moments than I am, but the series where Patrick Beverly literally got Kevin Durant ejected by getting into his head uh, <laughs> to me is sort of the thing. And I, and I know, and I, it, it didn't, I don't believe it turned the game around. I don't have that exact memory of it, but those sorts of moves. And look, he was also, it was also possible for him to get a little out of control. Right. Sure. I think about like when he, like what happened, but he got, he sort of went a little far with Chris Paul um, that final game, I believe he maybe even got a one game you, you suspension. Always, you see. Um, oh my God! First of all, uh, I don't think he went far enough. I love the fact that the pack, the last move Patrick Beverly does as a Los Angeles Clipper is get thrown out. He shoved, he shoved he's literally he's literally getting ejected as a Memphis Grizzly for one game because of something yeah. he did he as a him. Clipper when he pushed Chris Paul in the back. And uh, but I also we think, have said second, on the show how much we. I, yeah. Real quickly, and then hold that thought because I'm going to immediately shut up after this. He also did something that a lot of guy enforcers don't do, and he turned around and got on Twitter and apologized. And I actually think that Pat Beverly is kind of a for how much people think say pretty terrible things about him. I think he's a guy who's all about basketball, and he's kind of a class act. 
He didn't have to go oh. on Twitter and apologize to Chris Paul and say, hey, I got out of hand. It shouldn't be like that. Congratulations. Go get it. So, you know, but he was all heart for us. And so that so I know I, I know I I got off tr- topic. But for me, he's the epitome of Clippers and Clippers fans and underdogs. So go ahead. Now I'll shut up. Patrick Beverly. Just one more thing. League. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he's just a kid from Chicago. He shouldn't even be in this league. And yet he is arguably the best defender at that position in the game. He shouldn't – he was counted out. He had to, like, bet on himself when he played overseas. And then the when he shoved Chris Paul in the back, I loved it. You know what's crazy is when you and I were at that game, and this is just because for that particular game we weren't down in the bowl in the 100s. We were way up in the hockey box up in the nosebleeds. I don't even think you and I saw Patrick Beverly no, we push missed it. Chris Paul. We missed it. We learned about it. We learned about it much later, which I think is why fans were so shocked when we were tooting Chris Paul's horn because of how he said those nice things yeah. at the end yeah, our, of the game. Our fans didn't like that, but we were also in the emotion of the mo- – first of all, we're classic brightsiders. We loved a bright oh, side. And in that well, moment, you and I are class acts. But I honestly think I would say that maybe we don't gush about Chris Paul had we seen with our own eyes Pat Bev push him. Oh, certainly not. They're not, not. going to show that on the replay, on certainly the Jumbotron. Not. There was a big pack around them, and you and I were probably making off-color jokes towards one another at the time, and we just <laughs> simply missed it. We missed it. So, and I think if we saw Pat Bev push Chris Paul, we would immediately assumed, probably correctly, that Chris Paul, with with his dirty, filthy mouth, said some things that he couldn't take back. And you know what? Pat Bev took it right to his back and pushed him in the back. And Chris Paul's lucky to be alive. I just to be assume. Quite I sort of just assume that Chris Paul hit him in the nards. I just assume Chris Paul's a big piece of crap and he's a jerk and I hate him. I really do. I hate Chris Paul. Well, and I was the first one to throw him under the bus. And I, I literally wish I go. You know, I wish he actually went to the L word and played with Kobe because that entire Lob City generation was a wash. Oh and a my gosh, waste. you're bananas! Why are you doing this? It, it's not true. Neither one of us ever it is really. True, but I, we're loved not. But him. we're not. You, that's a different episode. That's a different it's episode. Different. We're Let's talk about We're talking Patrick about Pat Bev. Bev. We're talking about Pat Bev. This is not Chris Paul cast. So Patrick Beverly, you talked about uh, Blake Griffin as your favorite Clipper ever, and I totally get that because we brought him in. Yeah, he was our guy. Yeah. He dunked over a car. Uh, he was the last rookie to make the All Star game. Still to this day, I get that, and he was our guy. He was the number one pick. He was Hollywood. He was a funny guy. He does comedy things. Then you find out he's a tough guy. He punches physical trainers at dinner in Canada. Like, you know, you see, learn all this interesting stuff about him. He was homeschooled, which you love. Anyway, so. <laughs> so no, I don't. My kid so, goes to public so school. Beverly, different, different, different podcast. So Patrick <laughs> Beverly is the anti-Blake Griffin. He was yeah. not number one pick. Yeah, interesting. He is not Hollywood. He doesn't do stand-up comedy nights for Red Bull and, and pal around with with actors in Hollywood. He's literally the anti-Blake Griffin, and that is why we love him. He got sent to the Clippers, and it's still his Twitter banner, and it may still be right now, but it'll likely change when he gets to Memphis. But he literally said in an interview when he was going to L.A., he's like, I'm going to L.A. to kick some ass. And he literally just kept that as his Twitter banner for four years, I had Patrick Beverly 
as our Twitter banner for two years because I thought this guy is this team. This is a team that is forever in the shadow of the purple and gold jerks, even though nine out of the past 10 seasons, we've literally been much, much better than them, and it isn't even close. But for some reason, we just can't get out of the shadow. And I know the reason is because we haven't won anything, and I totally get that. And when we win the championship, then we will be officially out of the shadow. But Patrick Beverly is a man who literally came out of the shadows of Chicago, out of overseas, undrafted, went to Houston Rockets and literally made a name for himself just being a mosquito and a junkyard dog, just an irritant and annoying. He was first-team all-defense point guard. Out of nothing comes something, and that guy embodied the blue collar. Our seats are cheaper, and we love it. L-Word fans will sit here and tell you, oh, our game one, round one at home costs $1 million to sit in the 300 sections, but a Clippers game, it's actually affordable for everyone. What a bunch of jerks. No, you're a jerk. We are the team that you can actually go see, that you can afford and go enjoy and get behind and root. I went to L-Word games And I just hated that team. All the gloss, all the glamour, and all the lack of guts. And then I go to my first ever Clipper game with my best pal, my broadcast partner, Burbank Hank, Henry Dittman. And we're up in the 300s, losing our ever-loving minds, rooting for Darius Miles, Quentin Richardson, Corey Maggette, Lamar Odom, EB, the Polish Rifle, a young, fun, running-and-gunning team. That was Patrick Beverly, man. He was that guy that you wanted to root for. That you, when he was on the opposing team, you absolutely hated him. Oh yeah. But man, you would do anything to get him on your squad. And we had him on our team for four years, and he was the lifeblood of that locker room. So I'm going to tell just a locker room story real quick from Patrick Beverly. Okay. You go to into the locker room, and like I said, it's a horseshoe shape. It's a C for Clippers. And literally the very first locker, right when you walk in, when they give you the media access, which they haven't done for two seasons now, Pat Bev's right there. And he literally, he he is the locker room. He's the loudest. He's the most outspoken. He's also the most personable. Like He's also the one who will probably talk to you the most unless he's absolutely super pissed off. But I remember, I can't even remember, I don't remember the question that I asked him, Hank, but I remember the response. And maybe the question was something to do with, are you always in the ref's ear? Does that help you? You know, does that help you not get teased? Does that hurt you not getting teased? Like, you always being so vocal to the refs, do you think that endears you to them? Or, you know, I, I, I don't even remember what the hell the question was. But I do remember the answer. He looked me dead in the eye and he said, you must be new. You are kidding. No, he did you not. Must, no, he did not. You, he goes, I asked him my question. He goes, you must be new. And I literally was, I was speechless. And then I cackled laughing. And then he laughed back and had a twinkle in his eye. And then he said, nah, nah, I'm just kidding, man. And then he answered the question. And then we had a conversation about basketball. This guy was the nicest guy in the locker room by leaps and bounds. Obviously, you know, Lou Will is very nice. But he's like, Lou Will, there was like that Atlanta shine to Lou Will. Like where he was the number one high school player in the country. Patrick Beverly was never number one at any thing except for first team all defense point guard and he loved that that was like the only time he was number one 
he had to scrap and fight tooth and nail for everything that was not given to him that he had to take. And that just embodies to me the Clipper fans, the Clippers nation. All right, another personal Patrick Beverly story. And I've said this on the show, and you've heard this story before, and you're going to hear it again. My son and I are walking to the beach during, you know, they just kind of, I don't know if we're still locked down. It's before, we're now knowing the bubble is happening. The NBA has been shut down for months. We know that the bubble is about to happen. We know what's, we don't exactly know, but like, oh, they're all going to Disney World. Oh, they're going to do this with the teams. And we know, oh my gosh, the NBA is actually kind of around the corner again. So my son and I go to the beach. We put our surfboards on our heads and we walk to the beach. I, like every day of my life, am wearing a Clippers t-shirt. I wear Clippers t-shirts so often that I forget I'm wearing them. So I'm walking towards the beach with my Clippers t-shirt on next to my son, who, P.S., his favorite player in the NBA is Patrick Beverly. Hands down. There's There's a picture of Patrick Beverly and my son on my refrigerator right now. My son was the ball boy during warm-ups. I said, Pat, can I get a picture of you and my son? He, you're his favorite player. Couldn't have been nicer. What's your name? Got, got to know him. Oh, talked to him, smiled. It was a great picture. It will hang on my refrigerator for the rest of all time. Love, Patrick Beverly. We are walking to the beach, holding our surfboards on our heads. A three-wheeled motorcycle, tricycle thing drives up where I don't remember if there's two wheels in the front and one in the back or vice versa, but it's, you've seen these things. They're, they're, they're very kind of cool guy toys, right? Trikes, if you will. Yeah. Rolls up on this two sleepy two lane beach road, pulls over into the middle and with a helmet, I don't know who this person is. Hey, I like your t-shirt. I literally look down at my t-shirt. What's he talking about? And as I look down, I see the clipper logo and I hear from behind the helmet, go Clippers. And me and my son go, oh, yeah, go Clippers. Clipper Nation, baby. Well, wouldn't you know it? The man pops his helmet off, and there are those short dreads that we love, that amazing Patrick Beverly hairstyle that we just absolutely adore, and the big smiling face of Patrick Beverly, who loves being a part of Clipper Nation. And as soon as that helmet came off and revealed Patrick Beverly's face, my son and I both immediately crapped our pants, started urinating, and crying tears of joy. We freaked out. Oh, my God, it's Pat Bev! Oh, Pat Bev! And he loved the fact that we knew exactly who he was, that we were absolutely thrilled. He lit up like a Christmas tree. I said, Pat, man, oh, thank you. Hey, good luck in Disney World. He goes, go Clippers. And he speeds off, absolutely smiling from ear to ear, a smile that could light up a whole city. Oh, May, I love that it, story. I love it, and I I would frankly listen to it every episode. I really would. I love it, was, it, man. It was a great moment. It was, and, and then, of course, I tell the story on Twitter, and I at Pat Bev, and he does the, you know, the blessed prayer hands, and he says thank you, and he retweets the tweets that involve the story. And the fact that my son's favorite basketball player literally had his picture tweeted out by his favorite basketball player, absolutely blew our collective minds. So Patrick Beverly will literally always be my favorite basketball player of all time, favorite Clipper of all time for that moment alone. And then add 
when he ruined LeBron's Christmas. I mean, add when he got so in Devin Booker's head that he broke Devin Booker's nose and made him bleed all over the floor. Look what he just did for us in the postseason, this past postseason. He shut down Donovan Mitchell. He effectively shut down Devin Booker. We just ran out of gas without Serge and Kawhi, and that's why we didn't go to our first ever finals and beat the Bucks. Yeah. Yeah. So that's your favorite is that your favorite in-game moment is is him with on uh on Devin Booker? By the way, Suns and Four. <laughs> my fa- my favorite in-game moment was Christmas. Yeah, 2019. He, that's mine. When he ruined LeBron's Christmas. 2019. But I'm also not going to Yeah. I I'm not going to ever forget the first ever game he played in that horrible season sadly where he only played 11 games for us but his first game as a Los Angeles Clipper he played the L word with Lonzo Ball their brand new oh right who he his first game absolutely destroyed first NBA game and and he was the hottest property and he came in and basically ruined his coming out party his like debutante ball his early career (laughs) He blew it up. Like everyone thought he was the biggest thing, and Pat Beverly was like, "Nah." <laughs> and 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 literally, I'm in the hallway by the locker rooms at after the game, and Patrick Beverly comes out of the game and literally is talking so much s and so much smack. This is the NBA. Welcome to the NBA, young man. Welcome to the NBA. This isn't college. This isn't high school. This isn't the Y. Like, he's literally, this isn't rec league. This is the NBA. It's a grown man. I mean, he, and I literally went on ClipCast that very night, and I said, I saw more passion from Patrick Beverly after game one of the regular season than I did in the entire postseason of all the Lob City years. Because I was in these locker rooms of Lob City where it, there was kids playing, and there's Blake Griffin's baby, and there's DeAndre Jordan's kid, and there's Jamal Crawford's kids, and there's Chris Paul's kids, and you go to the press conference, and there's four-year-olds behind the table. And I'm like, is this, an, is this a Disney Channel sitcom, or are we going to play some NBA basketball? You, you know, locker room talk is supposed to be F-bombs and smells and, and colorful stories. It's not supposed to be Nickelodeon, okay? So I loved Patrick Beverly from the jump. And I literally said, after game one of the regular season, I saw more passion from that man than I saw in half a decade of Lob City near excellence. And so I loved the passion that Pat Bev brought. Yeah, I I can, miss, and I, quite I, frankly, I miss it. Yeah, and I can add to that. I, you know, we... We are old enough that we are part of the generation of fans who talk about how different the NBA is now and you, that you never would have seen Gary Payton and Michael Jordan on a inflatable raft behind a boat <laughs> 20 years ago. Never in a million freaking years. Never would you have seen it. And so what we are getting now because players have become so friendly and they've become so kind and loving to each other is that you get super teams because guys are excited to play with each other. They practice with each other. They train with each other. Uh, But I sort of feel like for me, Patrick Beverly is a little bit of that throwback of like he does not like any single player he plays against. He's very quick to go over and dap and hug and all these other things when the game's over, whether he wins or loses. He gives proper respect. He's not afraid to backtrack and say, wow, you know what? I went too far. I went too far. But in-game, in-game. And and the other thing, here's here's the other thing I will really miss. 
because we are comedy guys. We are comedy actors, 45 combined years, professional actors, union actors doing TV shows, movies, you, you name it. Pat Beverly is hilarious. And when he would sneak <laughs> into he drink cans of when, beer, when he would he'd drink cans of beer in the post, when he press would conference. sneak into huddles, when he would sit there like <laughs> there, I can't remember which team it was. It was, it was one of the last two teams. It was either the Suns or the, the jazz, I guess he, he, he would, he sat there at one point watching the coach, like desperately trying to make adjustments, just shaking his head. And literally with a, a poo eating grin on his face of just watching these guys scramble. I just found him to be funny. I found him to be like a funny, fun guy who oh my had God. a lot of when, heart. When we would beat, when we beat the L word, and he's going to the L word fans. Where, where are y'all going? Where are y'all oh going? My God, so great. When, when we whooped them, we whooped them, and the fans were leaving because the better team won. Where are y'all going? Like I, this man just so physically, and mentally, and emotionally embodied every single thing that we as Clipper fans feel every day. They, every they they hate us, Hank. They hate us. Only, only Skip Bayless likes us. I mean, literally, in the national media, there's one person that I can count on one finger who likes us, and I think it's a bit. I think, you know, his producer said, hey, 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 because Shannon is such a L-word homer. Can you just pretend to give a crap about the Clippers? And I think he leaned into it. They hate us. And Patrick Beverly embraced that hate. We're going to miss Lou him. Lou Williams said, we're going to be the only team to ever go to their championship parade and be booed in our own city. And he kind of got it. But nobody got it more than Patrick Beverly. I'm going to miss him. I'm going to miss him. I hope they let us back in the locker rooms this season because when we play Memphis, the two times that we'll likely play them, I will be posting up in that away locker room so I can talk to my old pal Patrick Beverly and tell him what he meant to me as a dad and as a Clipper fan. Because that man was everything that the Clippers embodied, I think. I 100% agree. We're going to miss him. Maybe you should do Should we sound a horn? We have to sound yeah. a horn. And then you got to play the song, dude. You got to play the full song. It's so great. The, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a sad. It's almost like when you go to a military person's funeral and they sound the horn. They play taps very melancholily in their honor of the fallen hero. So we sound a melancholy horn for the fallen hero. That is Patrick Beverly. We miss you, Pat Bev. Mr. 94 feet. Thanks for everything, Pat. Just a kid from Chicago. We sound the horn. How do I Say goodbye to Pat Bev. The good times when he ruined LeBron's Christmas. When he Devin Booker bleed I'll miss all the pain that made him feel How do I say goodbye to Patrick
Mr. 94 Feet. <laughs>